Hey everyone, and welcome to Scrambling with Dylan Otto, a podcast where the listeners can hear, learn, and laugh about my life in the golf world and other numerous topics with guests on the show. Tune in every week for insight and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Scrambling with Dylan Otto, featuring former professional golfer Michael Weaver. Micro, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dylan. Yeah, it's nice to you know meet you and stuff, and um, to chat up, and you know, kind of see see uh, talk about your golf journey a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I know I've seen a lot of college golfers on your podcast, and I've definitely lived that life, and you know, yeah. a little bit more beyond that too. So hopefully, I can share something good. At yeah, least to be entertaining. Of course. No, man. I mean, you got, you've had a lot of experiences and you, you've been a lot, a lot of different places, play golf. Um, we'll kind of get straight into the first question. Where are you from and how'd you get into the game of golf? Yeah. So I, I was born and raised in Fresno, California. I uh, pretty much lived there my whole life, excluding the five years I spent at Berkeley for college. And mm-hmm. I got into golf kind of by accident. I, my, my mom's family had, they were a big golf family. My mom had three brothers and both of her parents played my dad or my mom's father, my, my grandfather, he was a pretty serious golfer. He was, or he really loved playing and he was a decent player as well. I think he won club championship at San Joaquin. Country oh yeah. Year, maybe in the, uh, let's see, he was, it was probably in like the sixties or seventies if I had to guess given his age. So yeah, uh-huh. that was kind of, the background so my mom had wanted me when I was younger to get at least take some golf lessons if you know how to play so I, I started that when I was about eight but it didn't it didn't click I, I took lessons I think when I was eight during mm-hmm. the summer I did it when I was nine yeah same thing kind of took four, three or five lessons and but I was playing other sports then so I was um I was playing I know I was playing baseball and I was racing go-karts which I'm sure we'll probably talk about a little bit later yeah oh and yeah and uh yeah. Yeah, so that, that's a kind of a whole another world. But I got into golf. I started like actually taking it seriously. I was 10 years old. So I was going to a summer camp basically. And I was just kind of, I was kind of being a brat. I was complaining about it to my parents for <laughs> really no good reason. Like uh-huh. it was, it was at a church in town. We did a ton of fun stuff. Like went on field trips. Like I was, ten, I was nine or 10 years old. I should have like, it was fun to do, but I remember we had to get there early. It was, yeah, I don't know. It was cramping my style or something. I was really like <laughs> literally being a brat about it. Like I'd, comp- I'd come home and complain about it because we'd go there. My sister and I would go mm-hmm. uh, three days a week. I think it was my mom worked part-time. So we would go the day she worked. Got it. And complained to my, kept complaining. My dad, unfortunately, my parents were members of Fort Washington, Fresno. Mm-hmm. So yeah. one day my dad kind of just heard enough, I think. And he's like, <laughs> well, you can go to the golf course, you know, one or two days a week try it out like mom can drop you off yeah or i'll drop you off one thing like pick you up and so it was kind of a like a lesser of two evils i just made a choice like oh like fine i'll try that and i did and you know i think one of those things like i was already pretty competitive or had a pretty competitive nature i played mostly baseball was like in terms of team sports and i was racing go-karts and i was pretty good at the baseball i was very average mm-hmm. um but racing i was pretty good at so i kind of developed that guy competitive fire and you know when you start playing golf like you just suck like it's yeah. so easy to get better <laughs> seriously like, yeah i i could get i mean i could probably there are probably weeks where i would shave like I, if you're I was keeping track of like my scoring average or whatever like 
I was probably shaving two or three shots off because, but I, I was shooting like 120. So it's mm-hmm. pretty easy to do, you know? Right. Yeah. You go from like, like I was hitting the ball. I went from like, I'd sometimes hit the ball in the air when I meant to, and then I was always hitting the ball in the air when I meant to. And that only right, took yeah. like probably a week and a half. There you go. Kind so of got I think hooked that part that. of it. Yeah. It was, it's addicting because you see success. And I think for someone like me, that's really competitive. Like yeah. I wasn't necessarily competing against anyone at that point. I've been playing golf for like a month, kind of mm-hmm. thing. but it was like, all right, I sucked yesterday. I sucked the last today. And one week ago, I was having trouble with this club. And now I like, I feel like I've got it more dialed in. So that, yeah, that was kind of my introduction. So I was 10 years old. So I was, uh, I'm going to be 30 in a couple months. So I was almost 20 years ago. All right. Nice. You yeah. know, you, you talked about, you were, you were seriously into go-karting and stuff, you know, after I, you know, did my research and stuff, looking you up and finding more out about you, you know, you were pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good at it. You know, can I talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I started racing. So my dad was always into auto racing, and uh, he actually raced go karts with a buddy of his when he was like twelve to, or maybe not twelve when he was younger, like mm-hmm. early teen age or maybe. Okay. And we had a one of my dad's best friends from high school. His son was racing go karts. So, so my dad's best friend from high school and my dad were the ones they raced go karts. My dad's best friend got his son into it, who's I think two or three years older than me. Mm-hmm. and we went out one day and watched him and i had been into racing just from like my watching my, my dad had been into racing so i'd watch on watch formula one or IndyCar. oh okay TV. yeah not so much not so much nascar but more um indycar and f1 and i uh one day i was six years old which this is kind of, it's kind of incredible to think about now uh-huh. um i got thrown in a go-kart at six friend of ours i tried it i went real fast i crashed oh wow um yeah so i I broke something i broke on the cart not on myself oh okay 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 yeah i I broke a part not not a bone and that's good that's good (laughs) shortly after that my dad was like so the way the way the go-kart thing worked was there was like you could have like a miniature cart i call them a kid cart you could race uh I think starting at age six until age eight. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't do that. There was a next step up. They call it like a, a cadet cart. And mm-hmm. you had to be eight years old to race those. So shortly after my old test run or crashed, uh, we, uh, my dad bought me a go-kart. And so since I couldn't race until I was eight, I basically practiced for two years. And I was looking back on that now, like I've never minded practicing like for golf uh, mm-hmm. yeah. it's something that like I, I I think a lot of the like a big reason for that was just like when I was six years old I would like every weekend pretty much my dad and I was a track out in Kerman okay and that was where, we, where our local races were and I'd go out there and just do lap after lap after lap practice my dad was able to teach me some stuff and just from he had he had my dad raced his cars as a hobby as well mm-hmm. and he had gone to like these different racing schools so he was at least well equipped enough to like definitely sh- like teaching like the fundamentals and all that so i got a good foundation and basically would just practice for two years and i started racing uh so kind of like just going to the driving range for two straight years and never going on the course i mean I right was yeah practicing on the track I uh-huh. would race right, on, right, but right you're not it's a lot different than when i'm just making laps and running for time it's exactly like, yeah because it, it like means something. track man yeah, yeah. Like a track man combine instead of going out and shooting a score exactly no i i, I totally see what you're saying you know yeah, that's so that's really cool background there yeah so i started when i was eight and then i did that until i was about 12 so i had a little bit of overlap playing mm-hmm. 
golf, golf and, and racing, racing go karts. Yeah, I started playing tournaments when I was golf tournaments when I was eleven, mm-hmm. and that's kind of when the racing curtailed. I went, I went about six months, and when you turn twelve, you move up to a full size cart, like an adult cart, and uh-huh. so it's new equipment and all that. I I raced like two or three times, maybe, in the new one, and then it sat for like six months. And one day, my dad was just kind of like, you know, we need to make a decision here, like. Yeah. Except we have like we have really good stuff for racing that like it's just sitting there like i'm fine keeping it if you're going to commit to racing but if mm-hmm. golf's your thing like that's fine you know if you want to try to do both that's fine but like the doing both thing hasn't been happening so right yeah gotta make a decision change what we're doing or pick one or the other and it, at that point i had had i still wasn't very good at golf but mm-hmm. i was progress i was you know improving rapidly yeah you're getting better yeah yeah so i mean i was way better at racing when i when i quit racing to play golf i was like light years ahead oh okay my golf game and i was i was i wasn't great i I would would, i'd run like we'd have like a national race and i like a couple times i ran i was running like top 10 but like maybe you know maybe eighth to 15th like i never had a Mm -hmm. chance to win kind of thing Uh i was solid that i was but you were yeah you were high up there yeah, of yeah I was I was very competitive at it and what locally was very competitive on a more national uh, national level I was above average I would say uh-huh. yeah no, I know yeah. I see exactly what you're saying um so you know you ultimately <laughs> you made the right decision I would think you know you you played golf you attended Clovis West High School and um, you committed to Cal Berkeley to play golf mm-hmm. um kind of talk about your years and your years at Cal as well, but also even before that, you know, the, the process with Cal and kind of how that went. Yeah. So recruiting for me, I was, I was kind of a late bloomer. I would say in high school, I played, I mean, I guess this is normal as you get older, you get better, but like my mm-hmm. senior year of high school was like far and away the best year I had. Um, so recruiting for me started, I want to say I started playing AJGA events at, 15 maybe mm-hmm. but i had to do like you know with the whole performance-based entry deal yeah. i had to i yeah. didn't have any stars and then it was like mm-hmm. a term exemption from stars like now it's just stars but mm-hmm. yeah some more idea like i didn't have i you know kind of you like, kind of bottom of the totem pole it's yeah to you break into exactly and you kind of it's, it's sort of like you didn't have status you know what i mean for exactly. a play ajga so yeah yeah and i remember like when we were when i was starting out with that it just seemed like my parents just seemed totally asinine like i couldn't just sign up for these tournaments to go play because we were used to jg and c and ncga junior tour hadn't come about i think that started my senior year of high school okay so there was really only one avenue to play and it seemed like no one from here really went and did like toyota tour cup no no i was kind of too yeah whatever it's called yeah toyota tour cups yeah um i started doing did the JJNC thing for the first up until I was about 15. Then finally I signed up for AJGA. Got like, I was like, I must have spent days like studying the whole performance based entry thing and kind of got yeah. a handle on it and realized like, hey, if I go, I was, I've been 16, I was too old to play all stars. So I played those qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I kind of use that as a way of just playing the qualifiers just for the exemptions rather than, of course, like, to yeah. build up my status. Uh-huh, right, right. Did that for a summer, played a couple of opens and but okay but then you know you start getting like the questionnaire stuff from the coaches i know the dates change like mm-hmm. yeah the phone and mail thing is different I that's all old. totally that like different now almost yeah. 15 years ago now so or 12 years ago so, so it's um i think i just kind of started getting these questionnaires in the mail from school yeah uh-huh. uh, from schools and then i kind of just went one day figured i knew that i wanted to stay 
my thing is I wanted to, I always did well in school. And one thing my, my parents were okay with, like, you know, they wanted me to make the decision where to go to school, but I think mm-hmm. their one, not requirement, but like hope that they kind of expressed to me was like, I had always been a really good student. So they wanted me to uh, ideal in a perfect world, play college golf somewhere where I, and not have to sacrifice getting a good education yeah of course to go play at like a small school or something like that you know because I was a four point whatever mm-hmm. had decent SAT scores like I, I was I could have gotten into it I couldn't have gotten into Cal on my own like my I it would have been tough like I would have gotten into a pretty decent school so of course yeah that was kind of their that was kind of my approach to the college recruiting process was mm-hmm. just all right I wanted to stay on the west coast just because that seemed to make sense to me. Of course, I mean, yeah. You're comfortable with it and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of home yeah, for Yeah, so it was – and then from there, like, I kind of just – at the beginning, just, you know, it's kind of like you just email everybody. And of course, yeah. Know, My, what's it going to hurt? Yeah, I just, you know, I probably emailed 50 schools and got, you know, like three responses. And you know, it's kind of – it seems kind of brutal when you're 16. You're like, no, yeah. I'm not me back. <laughs> Seriously, but yeah. But it kind of it, – it's – it's Just a good lesson in how life works pretty quick. So mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't start playing AJGA and uh, had some coaches start following me. I remember, I remember the first couple of times like coaches were following me, like, and I, you know, you weren't at first, maybe you weren't sure, but I was like, Oh no, this guy's here to watch me. I was yeah. nervous. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a little bit of an adjustment. I know mm-hmm. I found that to be, I, I got over that hurdle pretty quick. And I, cause I think I'd had people explain to me basically like, it makes more sense now in hindsight, but then you know, it was kind of harder to really buy in. Was that like they don't really care how you play, and mm-hmm. they care more about how you act. And they, of I, course, honestly, yeah. if I was a college coach right now, I want to watch a kid when he shoots like eighty three. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to watch a kid shoot sixty nine. That doesn't teach me anything. Like, watch his demeanor and stuff. Yeah, right. you want you want to see how he handles himself. So for me in the recruiting process, that was something I really focused on. I think that I know I I played with a lot of guys who were you know, it's about your age or maybe a little bit younger mm-hmm. growing up. And it's like, you know, they don't, it's, it's hard to sometimes, you know, you're, when you're going through the recruiting process, it's easy to get caught up in, Oh, I shot this coach is watching me on, but I shot 76. I hit the ball terrible. Like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And it's like, man, like I can tell you, like, if that 76 is like an outlier for you, they don't care that they saw that you played bad because you know what, you're it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. They care yeah. about, did you mail it in? Did you like make, can you tell like, were you trying to figure out what was going wrong? So for me, mm-hmm. I had up until that point, I kind of, I didn't have a terrible attitude, but I would, I'd get frustrated and let it affect me. Uh-huh. And I mean, I wouldn't throw clubs or anything. I, I probably have more of them, more, I probably display <laughs> more anger now than I did then. But <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. um, I mean, then, but then it was like a conscious effort because I knew that part of it was, I could see guys I'm playing with, you know, 16 years old, like not everyone matures at the same speed. And like I was a good example of that. I kind of turned a big corner. When I was say 16, roughly. Mm-hmm. It was fortunate timing to where I realized that, Hey, like I'm on fire on the inside that, yeah. you know, I just made three bogeys. I three putted again, whatever it was, but I knew that one way that I, what I think what I figured out was the coaches, all they, they can't see or hear what I'm thinking in my head. Of course. So, right if I just go on like nothing's going on mm-hmm. yeah. and there, that's a huge positive. So that was something I was really conscious of in the whole recruiting process. I think really worked to my benefit. Um, so yeah, as time went on, more coaches started watching me and like, that was really when I, I mean, 
I was, I, I started to buy into kind of that attitude anyway, because it started to work was the mm-hmm. biggest benefit. It wasn't just like, oh my God, a coach to watch me. I need to be on my P's and Q's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I actually saw it pay dividends and it's like, wow, I used to get pissed off and I turned, you know, turn, turn a 75 into a 79, like no problem. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I just turned 75 into 73 and I mm-hmm. sucked today. And like, mm-hmm. you know what? I got away with, like, I feel like it got away with it. And, yeah. but it was like a good attitude allowed that possibility. It wouldn't work all the time. So I think that was something that kind of helped with recruiting was because my results were decent. They weren't fantastic. I did, a, I was, you know, above average for AJGA, but I wasn't, I won a couple AJGA events, but it wasn't until after I'd committed to Cal. So mm-hmm. Got I it. think that was something that benefited me was just, you know, Cal, the schools, when I kind of got down to like really trying to make a decision, the schools that were recruiting me were Cal, UOP, mm-hmm. Nevada. Yeah. So Chad Spencer, now the Fresno State coach was the assistant coach at Nevada then. Got it. It's like we kind of had a, I had known Chad, you know, he, he was, he was after me pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think had Cal not panned out, that might have, that probably would have been a decent option or what something I would have thought about. And then uh, some of the and UC Davis and Cal Poly are kind of on the radar, but I was definitely, once it became clear that like Cal was in play, it was like, oh yeah, yeah. Nothing like all my chips were in the, or eggs are in that basket, but like, yeah, that, that was, you're leaning towards Cal for yeah, sure. I, I mean. was definitely leaning that way. So uh-huh. they were fortunately the first school that offered me a spot. And so that made it really easy. I mean, because it, it was, it wasn't, I wasn't torn between two. I want, and I wanted when I started the whole thing, I was like, oh, I want to go to Stanford, UCLA, USC. Yeah. You want to get all these like power. Yeah, yeah. 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 I looked at the, I looked at the rankings and basically picked, well, you know, the problem was I was like 150th junior golf scoreboard. So like mm. that wasn't, you couldn't you know, just say, I want to go to there. I want to go yeah, to there. I, didn't, I, didn't <laughs> you know? pick. I mean, by the time I graduated high school, I was in the top, you know, if I would have gone to college a year later, that could have been a different scenario. Cause I of was, course. I got in the top, I don't know, 15 or 20 in junior golf score, but like mm-hmm. I was also committed to school. I don't, I definitely believe like that took pressure off. Like then yeah. I started playing really well after that. Cause that's, yeah, you know, I couldn't agree big, more. It was, that was, I think that's one thing. It's this, it's this easy, it's easy to put a lot of pressure on yourself um you know when a coach is around and mm-hmm. when you know you know there, there's this finite amount of time like okay i'm a you know now i'm you know it's gotten younger since i went there i mean i know there's uh-huh. i know a kid out of the 40s who committed to a really good school as a freshman yeah and like i remember talking to his parents like well i mean the school he's talking to are the top ranked schools in the country like i guess yeah i can't get any better so mm-hmm. there's no yeah, yeah i mean you might as well spot. Yeah. Well, plus it's kind of so, like you were saying, you know, you, you, there's a certain moment where if you want to play college golf and it's getting to that point, you want to know where you're going to play. I mean, like you mm-hmm. said, you, you committed to Cal and then you were kind of more comfortable and you were able to take some pressure off and play better golf, even from what it sounds like. Oh, I mean, it just, it just totally like I committed mid August, right before my senior year. And mm-hmm. then basically for the next 12 months, I was just like, I mean, golf felt easy. Like just I had free sailing. That time. Yeah, yeah. I, like started playing solid, and then like when the high school season came around, it was like I, was, I think I won every tournament, every like league tournament, and then I made it to I lost. In, I lost back to back weeks in playoffs at the CIF. The oh Southern yeah. Regional, oh yeah. And yeah, yeah. The state uh-huh. championship. So it's uh-huh. like yeah. I mean, I was and I was playing. I won a couple AJGAs. It was like holy cow, like. It's a big it was, year. It was, it, I got leveled up big time <laughs> yeah. from the summer before. And I think a lot of that has to do with 
I got more confident. I got better. I was working hard, but it also like, it definitely frees you up. So I think if guys can just kind of recognize that, like, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up and you're trying, you know, I see, I saw this a lot in the last few years, kids when they're like, they're kind of comparing like, Oh yeah. So-and-so is talking to this coach might be on my, but I'm talking mm-hmm. this. It's like, there's yeah. a lot of uh, gossip or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. A lot of distractions essentially. Of course, it's easy yeah. to fall into that. I think, you know, for me, I was fortunate. It kind of landed really well. The whole thing landed really well for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I, I was, I set myself up for really good opportunities. And I played, I think the mental thing and kind of my composure on the course was a huge benefit for me because I wasn't as common for you know, 16 to 18 year old kids. Mm-hmm. I and, think that's something that's huge. That's huge for junior players. You know, um, like you were saying earlier, you want to shoot the low score you possibly can, but I mean, they want to know the kind of player you are, you know, if you're throwing clubs, getting pissed off, I mean, college coaches yeah. not going to take you. I mean, I, I can tell you that even in, um, I think that's something really great that you kind of psyched yourself out on and then you, you actually pay it off in the end. I mean, that's awesome. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's great. And so you, uh, you committed to Cal and everything you go to Cal, you're on the golf team and stuff. Kind of talk about your years, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior years there and um, kind of your performance uh, individually and team wise as well. Yeah. So my, I was at Cal for five years and mm-hmm. kind of thinking about it now, like, every every year was very different from the other Um, freshman year was so I I came in with four other guys Max Max Homa Brandon Hagee uh, Curtis Loop and Brian Murphy Mm -hmm. and after the first year Brian and Curtis transferred so Max and I were all together for the whole time Max was there four years five so uh-huh. we all lived in the dorms together i lived with max and brian uh then down the hall like next door was brandon and curtis mm-hmm. so we had a pretty good time um i mean we did all the stupid stuff that everyone does like, <laughs> yeah. yeah i so let's see i remember my first so i, I came in playing like off of that kind of really good run of oh golf. yeah oh, i played yeah. well during the summer in aga played started playing some amateur events and we played our first college event like three days after school started. So there wasn't enough time to do qualifying. So our coaches were just picking our five man lineup based on how you, they told everyone like in May or mm-hmm. April, like uh, the prior school year, uh, this is how it's going to work for the first tournament. Like everyone's on notice. We're yep. picking the lineup based on, we're making a, a subjective decision based on how your summer goes. Got it. Um, so I played really well during the summer and I got, got to play the first tournament. Max Homa and I both played the first tournament as freshmen, not because of qualifying, but because like we'd played well during the summer. Of course. Yeah. And I remember it was me, Max, Eric Mina, Stephen Hale and Chad Vivolo. And went to Iowa, uh, played like out in the cornfield, middle of nowhere. Uh, pretty <laughs> cool course. Very in difficult. Uh-huh. Yeah. And shot, I shot 80 or 81 my first round. I was obviously like just devastated. And my coach, yeah. my parents flew out. My coach told my dad's like, oh man, I'm bummed. And my coach, Steve Desmond, he tells my dad, he goes, man, if I had a nickel for every time a freshman shot a million in the first round, I have a lot of nickels. Of course. And he yeah, says, I mean, it'll, be, it'll be fine. Like, it's a big I was moment. nervous as hell. Yeah. So, but played good the last, the second, the second and third round, finished like, 25th or 30th I think and mm-hmm. it's fine I mean considering she like 80 the first round it wasn't a disaster and yeah kind of was feeling went back to school we played like the state fair tournament um 
and then I got sick. I got, I was playing qualifying or like a second or third event. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I, my coach is very, uh, very cautious when it came to like our health. And I yeah. had like, I, I thought I had the sniffles basically. Mm-hmm. He heard, he could tell I was sick just my voice or whatever. And we were going to Michigan and he thought I was going to be like really cold. And I, he said, I remember telling yeah. me I had, I had one qualifying for the event. We'd played like six rounds. I played really well. Okay. I'm um, rich like 64 once or twice. And it's like, I, I was like, you're ready to go yeah oh i was grooving i was ready to go like (laughs) in a tournament kind of thing yeah and he's like yeah you're not going uh you're sick i don't want to take a chance of you getting uh, pneumonia and missing the rest of the fall i'm like i'm 18 i'm like what the hell are you talking about pneumonia like i have i have i'll be fine in like three days yeah so i missed the tournament there and then another next tournament i was fine uh my clubs got stolen the day oh, I was supposed to leave, no which way. was it was my fault. I left them in my car overnight. It was not a good decision. Oh, I see. And then I played played again in the fall, and then so that fall was fine. I had a couple. I I played two out of the four events. Mm-hmm. I played decent. In the spring, oh yeah, spring I started. I had a great tournament. I remember we start. I think like Arizona included big event. Finished second. I like Florida is there. Like all these schools are. Yeah, big schools are there. Like it's yeah. big schools. And I was like, holy cow! Like. That was like that was sick. Like that was I, a good I performance. Out heck, yeah. the first round, yeah, I was like sixty four. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I, I remember, yeah, I, I was like, holy cow! Like that was it was it was a bit of a surprise to me. Um, and then I got mono like a week later. No way. I six weeks. Oh, so, geez. All right, I was sick for six weeks. I, I don't remember how many tournaments I missed, but in mm-hmm. in total, I think I played like ten of fourteen events my freshman year. So mm-hmm. all things considered, I was like, I played a lot. Yeah, I probably would have played every event. It looks like with how things were going, but I just had a couple of like fluke things happen. Um, we made it to the NCAA championship. That was a really big deal then because we had. I mean, it still is a big deal, but like we had yeah. the team had made it to nationals in a long, in a long time. I'm I'm forgetting how many years it had been, but like mm-hmm. me, Max, and Brandon were freshmen. We're playing in regionals with Stephen and Stephen Hale and Eric Mina, and we get the regionals and we're like. Yeah, sweet. Like we're excited, but Eric is even a lot more excited because this is their third year and they haven't made it yet. Yeah. And to us, it's like, well, yeah, of course we made it through. You know, we came to regionals exactly. expecting to make it through. Like what like what uh-huh. else would have been, you know, that not would have been a disappointment. So that started a, a good run where we went, we made it to nationals every year I was there. So I played, I think I played pretty solid nationals. I finished like 35th. I I think I blasted off one day and I should have finished like top 20 or something. I had a yeah. Bad nine holes, but either way, it was good overall success. And my sophomore year was a mess. I played terrible. <laughs> I uh, put too much pressure on myself from the good freshman year. And uh-huh, I think yeah. the, the, I was an all American that year, but it was really just that one good tournament. I, yeah, you were an all American. Yeah. I finished eighth at national. So like the, by default, I was an honorable mention. Mm-hmm all-american yep uh i actually i mean i had a chance to win or i was in contention going to the last day i think i started like two or three shots back those at karsten creek mm. and it. i mean i think now like thinking back like it was a really cool experience is like that was probably the most probably top three like most nervous i've been on a golf course just mainly then because i had played i don't think i'd had like a top 15 all year prior to that I go into the final round of the NCAA championship and I'm in like fourth or fifth place mm-hmm. and like I'm in it like yeah you're up there with, I forget oh, who yeah. I played with I played with Bank or this guy uh I don't remember Arnon 
Von Vonovich, something we call everyone called the bank, went to Florida and then oh, okay. I want to say play like Lion Kim won the pub links like that year. And I was like, Oh my god, this guy's playing the Masters. Like it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Like lo and behold. But uh then I I'm I was just so nervous. It was like I was like fish out of water. I had never I had never played that big of a tournament and I mm-hmm. had a chance to win it. And you were and yeah, and you were placed so high, yeah. Yeah, I finished eighth and we're finishing. I was like, holy cow. And I think right before that event, I had just decided I was going to redshirt the following year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, to go into that summer place, I forget. I don't, nothing, I don't really remember anything that summer. I qualified with USAM for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. I think it's the cup I won. And then red, the redshirt year was interesting. I, so I changed majors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about why. Yeah. Talk about why you made that decision. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I came into Cal. I wasn't, I thought I wanted to do business administration and I kind of been like talked out of it, but like, uh, everyone told me how difficult it was basically. And I was like, I I wanted, I don't want it to take away from my golf. I kind of got caught up in like the whole narrative that a lot of people, I hear pretty common of like, I don't want school. Like it's hard to balance school and golf. And Mm -hmm. I think for me that didn't, not that it didn't apply, but I, I was a good student in the first place and I was, good at managing my time so I, I think when I talk to guys who are younger than me or even like adults who ask them like how how do you balance that the traveling and the playing golf parts of course of school, yeah it's it's, it's not it, it's hard it's not yeah and to me it's it wasn't a matter of like are you smart or not like there were guys on my team who were I wouldn't say they were real real bright and there were guys <laughs> on my team who were very smart uh-huh. and it was that was not a predictor of how well you did uh-huh. in in you know handling the two of course the time management discipline yes, realizing yep. mm-hmm. i have three hours to practice today yep. or two hours practice because i have a class or a lab or whatever and realizing that okay i have two hours i'm not going to spend 35 minutes bsing with my teammates mm-hmm. about where we went uh, going out tomorrow kind of thing of course yeah i'm going to go for two hours i'm going to putt i'm going to chip i'm going to hit on the track man i'm going to do whatever like and you get and you get you getting the most out of it. So that was something that I think. I think that all of us on our team, the guys in the lineup, especially, did a really good job of, and that we were kind of maybe because Cal is pretty demanding from an academic perspective. Yes, maybe very we were demanding. Forced yeah. to, mm-hmm. but that was a big thing. So my I switched majors because I was the major I was doing. I was it was kind of just like a like I referred to it as like an athlete major. Where you kind of. Mm-hmm. like a choose your own adventure you could yeah. do like three minors and it was fine but i just i got to the point where i was like oh, i'm not into this and i don't i did well in school but i didn't enjoy it and i was really hating it like yeah. what i was doing i thought it was stupid like the class was taking i thought they were dumb they, i didn't care about it so i was like i needed to make a change mm-hmm. and just figured i'm just gonna do i was gonna try to do econ but i went and talked to my advisor and they and then i talked to someone like in the in the econ department and they were just like total pain to deal with and not accommodating at all <laughs> forget that <laughs> yeah it's like they're like you're gonna have to take summer school i'm like well i play tournaments right now so i'm like can i do it online or can i like mm-hmm. get a waiver or yeah. whatever and there's like nope and they just like dug in like, all right fine so i wouldn't talk to my advisors like you can do you can go to haas and so haas is the business school account mm-hmm. yeah you can go to haas and but you're probably you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna take you at least nine semesters the total so four and a half years of um, course yeah and I was like, oh, okay, like at that point, I don't think I had decided for sure that I wanted to turn pro after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I knew I at least thought about it. Like I thought I kind of looked at it like if the rest of this goes well, I want to 
take it a shot. So I didn't think that having like that odd semester where I couldn't play on the team and I still mm-hmm. had to do, do school full time. Yeah. I didn't think that would be a great setup. So I redshirted so that I would can match up my eligibility running out with graduation. Of course. Yeah. So that was the whole, the whole point. And basically that whole year I just practiced. I played, played, I was, I had played well enough the first couple of years of college, I get in some of the big amateur events like the Jones cup. Mm-hmm. Um, big tournament there. Yeah. I think Jones cup. I think I got into the, I don't know if I played a Zillia or not, but it, I, I was able to start playing. I played some bigger amateur events and then would play like Alameda commuter, San Francisco city, which were two tournaments that yeah, San Francisco yeah. college schedule. We, we couldn't play mm-hmm. because of the conflicts with either pac 12s or some other college tournament for the SF Of city. course. So yeah. Played those. And did well. I, I won the commuters, and then I played well in the city. So I, I remained competitive. Mm-hmm. Played summer tournaments, and then so that year, after the summer after the redshirt year is the year I finished second the U.S. amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I played okay prior to that in the summer, but just not great and okay. But then kind of just got hot one week and got through the match play. Got through the stroke play in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? Um, Finish second. Yeah, I just like <laughs> kept winning matches, and it's cool. That was, you know, talk about like there was, I had a lot more confidence in my game at that point. I think I forgot. I I Monday qualified into a web.com event or mm-hmm. nationwide then. Yeah, a little different. Web.com you know, is corn fairy now. Whatever it was, that's the same same thing. Yeah, same <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> um, I Monday like April that year. I Monday qualified into the Bay Area event at Stonebrae, which was like total eye opener. Awesome. And that is awesome. Like, definitely. Uh, definitely like helped like okay yeah like i can do this like i can you know kind of leveled up again and that mm-hmm. was i think that was one thing for me where it's like as time went on I, all right yep i'm you know i'm i'm seeing proof that like i'm getting better at this and i'm you know of I course keep progressing and so, you didn't peak yeah exactly you didn't peak yeah. Stuff, yeah so the so yeah they played the usam and i whatever it was that week i just kind of uh like i i went out trying believing i could win it which yeah, you hope you get it every week. I mean, I think I'd be kidding myself if every turn I went, oh, I can win this week. For, but I, for no good reason, I just kind of went there. Like, there's there was nothing to justify. Like, I just missed the cut by like six, the Western Amateur, like the week before. I was, uh-huh. Yeah. I wasn't exactly like in great form. Of course. And went in, made it through in the playoffs, you know, took three playoff holes, and then just like kept. Just kept going. winning, I, huh? I I, 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 yeah, like, I, I remember even in the stroke play, I had, I had like, I made a triple with like ten on my tenth hole, the second oh, day. Wow. Okay. And I was like, I was kind of like, oh god, like it's gonna be hard to win this tournament if uh-huh. I don't even make the cut. Of course, and right? I, yeah. I think I, I think I went three under my last eight to get. There you go. The, kind of like clutched up there for four. Yeah, seventeen or fourteen playoff, I think. Wow. The next morning and made bogey the first hole that kept that stayed in and made a par and then made a I buried like a 210 par three and was in and after that I was just kind of like all right like just match play and I, I think I I liked the match play aspect just because I was familiar with what I would do at home like I, you play Nassau with your friends like it's a comfortable oh, yeah. environment and right 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 kind of it's easier to just like oh man I'm at seven like so what like I don't care like yeah just keep it's going. a new hole yeah and new hole I yep. yeah I played super aggressive like I was driving it great and I was just like I was we playing at Cherry Hills and I was like sending it everywhere. I was hitting a lot of fairways and I was like <laughs> first round and I was played, I put in Zach Blair and I was like, hitting it. Oh yeah. Hitting Zach Blair. And, yeah. Yeah. So like I hit it way by him. I was kind of leading the whole way. And so I was like, Oh sweet. One, 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 one match. And then played the next day. It was like pretty quick. Like Patrick Rogers at that mm-hmm. time was like 
top whatever five in the yeah, amateur ranking at like 200 uh-huh. and i beat him and he was super sour about it which is i loved because <laughs> i uh he was a stanford guy and i was a cal guy and that's a huge rivalry oh yeah and big yeah bay area of course so yeah one there and we played and he was he had already been on a walker cup team and mm-hmm. i after the 2011 walker cup i remember thinking oh, i'd like to be in the 2013 but i was i was miles from like being considered by new it was a goal to shoot for yeah and this kid had been on the walker cup team I was like dang okay i'd be a really good player like mm-hmm. went on beat alvin Choi and that afternoon and that was that was like absolute theft i never led the match <laughs> I was two down with two to go, one the 17th hole, one the 18th hole, and then like kind of like a plug lie. I had it's like a foot for Bert as a drivable par four. Mm-hmm. Plugged it off the tee. He hit it to like, I don't know, 20 feet for birdie. Mm-hmm. And he laid up, and then I hit it out to like gimme. It was Let's like, like maybe one of the best <laughs> shots I ever hit. And uh-huh. like long pulled bunker shot and one. I was, I mean, just stole it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, that's I awesome. Saying, I would have been so pissed. <laughs> And then, shoot, second quarterfinals, I played a guy, Ricardo Govea, who went to UCF. He's Portuguese. He plays on, he's played European Tour and Challenge Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty uneventful. He didn't play great that day. And I played steady and won like four and three. And then, then the semifinals, I played Justin Thomas. And that was, wow. that was like a huge, like, gut check kind of thing. That, that was a, it's like an interesting dynamic at the USM because everyone knows what's at stake if you get to the finals. Like, of course, yeah. You know that you get in the Masters. Like, you get in the US Open too, but like, I mean, it's just some qualifying every year. Of course, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, it. it's like, harder to it's get in the Masters. If it was, if it was just US Open that you got in, like, it, I'd go, oh my god, US Open, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. But the Masters is obviously a different of level. So. Oh, hundred percent. And I'm playing Justin, who at that time was College Player of the Year, his freshman year. I think mm-hmm. might have been maybe a bit of number one amateur in the world like i was like there's no doubt like he is a freaking genius. he is oh and yeah I'm, heck yeah yeah and i'm and like you know i was the 60th seed basically and uh-huh, uh-huh. i i remember like the, that i was really nervous and like kind of once the quarters were over i was like oh, okay like tomorrow's the real deal like mm-hmm. you get to see where you stand kind of thing just more so not like game wise just mentally because like there's this huge looming distraction of these two majors you're going to get into of course it's really oh yeah. easy to get you know project get ahead out. of yourself of course yeah so that was something that i knew as all right i i like i can try to pretend this isn't there and not pay it any attention but it's like yeah it, like i know what happens if i win tomorrow i right. just like kind of embrace it and like yeah you think about it like stop like just like focus back on playing golf so that was and it, that's it kind of worked out that way i had one moment where i definitely got ahead of myself kind of late in the match and i can remember, I remember just like i had a simple chip shot and I remember thinking like if i chip the same justin had like a we both missed the screen he had like a eight, six or eight footer for par uh-huh. and i had a simple chip shot and i remember i was standing i'm getting ready to hit him like if i chip this in he misses this putt or chip it in whatever it was like you're doing the whole scenario whole stuff yeah over and i'm uh-huh. going to the masters and i just i didn't blade it across me i hit it a little thin like it rolled like 10 feet five of course yeah chip shot. Uh-huh. I missed and I missed the putt, and then he got made his what however long of a putt he had. It was it was short, five feet, six feet, whatever. Right. Uh-huh. And I go to the tee. I'm like, oh my god, like I need to like focus again. And <laughs> then he made a twenty. Then like next hole makes like a twenty footer for birdie oh, to win geez. on a par three. And he and uh-huh. Michael Greller was caddying for him. Got and it. And they're like high five, and he's like, come on, like he's getting fired up, like he saw the President's Cup. 
Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God. Like I'm two, I'm two up with three to go now. Like I had been five up through 10 mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh boy. Like hang, I, I seem to run out of holes and I, I had a really good approach shot on the next hole to like, I don't know, eight feet. Mm-hmm. He hit one to like 15, 18 feet, just burned the edge. And then I rolled mine in and it was Let's over. Let's go. But, Let's go. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> that was, it was just kind of funny. Like I had that one moment mm-hmm. where I was like, Oh man, if I, if I, you know, if I, I got ahead of myself yeah and fortunately I had a cushion and I had already kind of like prepared myself for that to possibly happen like Mm -hmm. I'd you know in advance it was like yeah it wasn't like oh my gosh I just thought of this thing that like hadn't occurred to me like I was aware of it yeah I kind of had a strategy to deal with it we're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors yeah I think that's so you know you you beat a lot of good guys you know at the and even at that time, you know, they were big amateurs and stuff, and they're big guys on tour right now, you know, beating mm-hmm. those guys. And you, you know, you secured a spot on the master, you know, in the masters and stuff. Um, I know, you know, you're still attending Cal, you know, you're one of the only few players to be on that Cal team to even get into a masters and stuff. Um, well, we can kind of, you know, kind of talk about that experience at the masters, you know, as an amateur, kind of talk about just how that week went. Yeah, so I think, you know, after a little bit, like, it was kind of surreal. Like, after after the U.S., I mean, like, that win that match, like, no, I get in, but you still have the final tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, like, I want to win the SM too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That didn't, yeah, that didn't quite, like, got, you know, whatever, unlucky break or just, like, missed the putt. It, like, it didn't go my way or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, for a while, it's, like, it's funny. When you think of, like, how the 24 hours part really contrasted, like, each other was – the the evening after the semifinals was like i'm on cloud nine like, this is the best day of my life of course and then after i lose usam i lose the final it's like this freaking sucks i hate golf like i can't like i can't believe that happened because it's like you real you recognize like man i knew at that point i was going to turn pro mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. and it's like all right i'm going to play in like one maybe two more of these uh-huh. these are is a really hard tournament there's a lot of luck involved because of the draw thing is so the yeah. match play draw is so important of course so this i know for like a month or so it was really disappointing like you, you kind of it was hard to not think about the re- the result of that tournament mm-hmm. even though i knew that eight months from now oh i get to go play Augusta. like it just yeah. that was kind of like distant it's kind of like i can't it's like you don't think it's going to actually happen like, of course so right in the future so uh after kind of got over that it was yeah i i i was able to go and play practice rounds there in advance so i once you're invited to the tournament they allow you to go play unaccompanied Um, you can bring someone with you but they're expected to have a purpose like i couldn't like i couldn't bring you and be like hey like this guy i know wants to watch like Mm -hmm. I they don't let anybody in there (laughs) right so like I went in January of winter break with my swing coach at the time Cindy Vining oh yeah and checked out the course and we I want I was going to use a local caddy for the tournament Mm -hmm. so kind of used that first trip as a trial run on a couple caddies I told the court the club like I want to use a local guy for the tournament Mm -hmm. um can you like give me guys who are good of course might have experience yeah yeah and not not just on the golf course but also caddying professionally mm-hmm. so i got paired up with this guy chris who caddied several years on tour and was like he would club caddy at augusta during the off season that's nice and <laughs> yeah so it was nice because like, he he knew the golf course but it's also like he knew all the like 
like the tour caddy stuff which mm-hmm. like seems probably kind of silly but it's like that environment was familiar with them and i knew that like being in that environment would be extremely uncomfortable for me at first so having mm-hmm. someone you know between my buddy and we're stuff. both just like yeah. wide-eyed like not of like, course what yep. heck's going on uh-huh. that's gonna make it more difficult <laughs> yeah. so that first trip i played i went two times before the tournament week played uh i think i played five rounds in three days both mm-hmm. times wow um got to play so the it was it was interesting like watching the november masters was similar to what i played it in january when i the first time i went got it because it was ball stopped where it landed mm-hmm. trees were dead or, mm-hmm. you know not in bloom yeah of course looked very similar soft um so it wasn't really it wasn't very helpful as far as preparing for playing the golf course during the tournament week mm-hmm. it was more totally just different. like yeah like the, the guys there told me like play the front of every tee box because that's going to be more indicative of where your tee shots are going to end up because you're not going to roll right now tournament week you'll get some roll makes sense warmer whatever so did that went back in march and that it was kind of just helped get like the butterflies out the first time i was like we're flying like i'm playing augusta national tomorrow like i can't believe that of course. And the next time i went was i happened to get my uh, ricky fowler and bubba were there wow and bubba was playing with some had a group ricky was just gonna go play by himself and uh caddy joe was there just walking the course mm-hmm. so you have to use a club caddy when you're playing outside mm-hmm. of the tournament week so Got joe it. was there just like checking numbers, whatever, mm-hmm. seeing if anything had changed on the course. And uh, there was a frost line. The pro was like, hey, do you want to play with Ricky Fowler? He's okay with him. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to play with Ricky Fowler. <laughs> yeah, and that course. was actually like a really lucky thing. I, because I was so nervous for a, like a casual round. Of course. Yeah. And kind of prepped you for the tournament. The, exactly. I was like, I was so nervous. I had my tee shot on one and like nine fairway. Like I was, it was a total panic attack. <laughs> and but it was great because like after a couple of us settled down and then i played really well the rest of the day it's like oh yeah i'm intimidated by ricky fowler this guy's like you know whatever he was ranked in the world then yeah of course and he's only two years older than me it's not like you can say he's got like all this you know mm-hmm. he's so much older and experienced than me it's like no we're you guys can relate age. very very much <laughs> and it, yeah so that was cool it helped kind of get the wow factor of like i watched him play and he was just kind of slapping it around like he wasn't he wasn't grinding and he wasn't hitting it that great. And mm-hmm. I remember watching like, I'm like, once I got over my butterflies, I was like, I'm playing way better than this guy right now. Yeah. And that was really helpful. Just like from like settling down, like, okay, like I have to play against these guys in like three weeks. And uh-huh. that was, got that a was little a really glimpse of it. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. So then by the time the tournament rolled around, I played practice with Nick Watney and Luke Donald and Jason Duffner and wow. Rory McIlroy and there was never there wasn't really a point where like even playing with Rory he was really cool to play with but it, I wasn't overcome with like fear or intimidation like I was the first time I had a point with Ricky it didn't matter it wasn't like oh Ricky was my hero of course it was that he was this guy that was really good it could have been Jason Day it could have been whoever mm-hmm it could have been obviously it would have been tiger like that would have been huge but it didn't matter yeah. who it was it was <laughs> like there was this guy who was like so good so much better than me yeah but because i'd see him you know, he's ranked whatever in the world of but course knowing like okay i'm not that far off from him like i can beat him it just i just might not beat him as much mm-hmm. yeah but they was kind of just getting comfortable yeah so, that's, that's amazing that was a big thing that's amazing but, 
So I mean, yeah, what, kinda, okay. when when the when the tournament you know when the tournament kind of came around and stuff, um, you know, how'd you feel off the first tee when his Masters, you know, Masters week first round, you know, what was that experience like? Um, it was right up there with like I talked about like the most nervous I've ever been. Yeah. Like, at that NCAA championship is, uh, I was more nervous for that. I was more nervous on the first seed than I was at the NCAA championship. It's just, it didn't last as long as the masters, like mm-hmm. the NCAA championship. I was literally, no, I was uncomfortable all day. Cause Carson Creek is yeah. the hardest course I've ever played. There's you can lose a ball in every single hole and I'm <laughs> nervous. Yeah. And you know, I want to play really great. And like, obviously the master, I want to play great. But like, I think at that point I had had enough experience playing kind of out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, you know, at the Masters, I was way out of my comfort zone for sure, but I had kind of built up that experience. So yeah, if I think of like, what's the most nervous moment of my golf career, 100% is teeing off on Thursday at Augusta National on the Masters. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt but it. But I, I smoked one. I hit it like 3.30 in the fairway. And Let's go. I, and yeah, like I, I hit my shot. John, I looked up and I just kind of smiled like, wow, that was sick. Like, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll remember that. I can picture it right now talking oh, about yeah. it. And I was nervous leading up to that. Like, I, I slept fine the night before. Like it was, I, and I didn't hit me. I didn't tee off real early. I remember I was driving, like I woke up and like, yeah, I'm like, we're going to go do this today. I wasn't, I wasn't nervous mm-hmm. that, at that point. And then I was driving to the course. I'm like, I like, turned in the gate and I was like, wow like this is actually <laughs> this gonna is happen uh-huh. yeah this is for real and uh then it was like got real quiet i had breakfast by myself warmed up didn't talk to anyone i was just like oh my gosh this uh-huh. is happen. And, and did i didn't play great the first day i hit it good but i was like i was pumped up like i hit it really far that farther than i normally do that day and mm-hmm. i was, kept hitting past pin high one hopping over green it was really yeah. frustrating it was frustrating to do because it's like yeah. Damn, I hit my four on two thirty. I usually hit it like two eighteen mm-hmm. or two to two twenty two, and it's flying two twenty eight. It's one hopping over the green. Now I'm like auto bogey. You're all so jazzed up, man. Times. You're pretty yeah, all amped up. Oh my gosh, I wish I could have. I wish I could hit it as solid as I did that day forever. I mean, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, I put my ball, my driver ball speed probably went from like one seventy eight to about one eighty four. It was it was a huge difference, but it was obviously a problem because distance control is of course the most important <laughs> part of iron play. <laughs> so no, it was it didn't dis- nothing about that week disappointed. It was like I thought it would be this incredible experience, and it exceeded my expectations just from the experience playing the golf course to how you're treated by the members to the mm-hmm. people I met. I mean, I had that yeah. week. I, I had dinner with Condoleezza Rice, like wow. former secretary of state. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, and I, it's okay, cool. I met like, I forget. I met, like I met a few members who were like, I reckon I knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And they're, they, I kind of gotten, gotten to know them from being going on different trip or trip, the first couple trips there. Got they it, really yeah. embraced the whole amateur playing the amateurs playing like they want you to win kind of thing and mm-hmm. it's uh i which i thought was hilarious like dude i just have to make the cut amateur. <laughs> exactly Forget yeah. winning like uh-huh. I just wanna, yeah i just want to be a little amateur and like, no, you know we hope you win i'm like yeah that would be sick like <laughs> imagine I that i'm thinking of like all the money basically that i would get <laughs> after that and they're just like they want it for the history kind of uh-huh. yeah exactly wow that's i mean that's a week i mean and like you just said you know <clears throat> 
that shot, you're never going to forget it and stuff. I mean, that's just amazing. You, you played the Masters and everything. You went, you were as an amber and everything. You went back to school, you know, to Cal and everything. You're finishing up your years at Cal. Kind of talk about um, your your last year at Cal and everything like that. And then, um, you know, the path that you wanted to take to play pro golf and stuff. Yeah, so I know my fourth year, my junior, my redshirt junior year was mm-hmm. the year I played the Masters. That was my best year. We that was the year our team basically won almost every tournament, mm-hmm. and then so I was first team All American that year. So then I yep. think kind of following that summer, played really well, got on the Walker Cup, um, and played Palmer Cup as well that summer. And I think I went into my senior year with like, all right, I'm the whatever it was I was in top five or top 10 in the world amateur ranking for like basically almost a year straight at that point and of course I kind of went into my senior year with it kind of it kind of uh replicated my sophomore year a little bit where like my expectations were super high mm-hmm. I had just come off you know I just exceeded my expectations um pretty dramatically uh so it was I think I went in like thinking like it was like I'm gonna be player like player of the year or bust because like I'd already it was kind of like that was the only thing left to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I looked I yeah because you've done so much. Short. Yeah, and it was probably a little bit short sighted of, of of me to kind of look at it that way. But mm-hmm. I that was kind of like I had a goal and that was like that was one that was remaining still. So I I think I didn't I played I played decent in the fall and I like, kind of got off track a little bit. Mm-hmm. End, of the, end of the fall started struggling off the tee and screwing around with stuff and trying to hit it farther and it was yeah. I kind of uh-huh. got myself um a little bit in the weeds and so I didn't I didn't my senior year was definitely like definitely a disappointment just from even forget the good the year before that uh mm-hmm. it was just it was just disappointing I had some good finishes but just I didn't really I had I had two chances to win. I completely ejected on one of them, shot like 77. And God, like, did I see. Know, just a disaster. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, it happens. Uh, it happens. Got, yeah, but it, it was kind of like in the middle of not playing well, so it was even it was more frustrating then. It's like, yeah. dang, like, I'm, I just like, I feel like I can't do anything right. So I, it was a good – I had a – there was a moment where, like, I was my attitude had definitely gotten worse. My expectations had gotten high, mm-hmm. and I kind of got, like, a wake-up call, ironically, from, like, one of the Titleist rep I would deal with. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Jim Ahern. And he uh, he was the guy that dealt with all the college players for product support and all that. And got he it. watched me play one day, and he emailed me, like, usually I emailed him for golf clubs. It didn't mm-hmm. usually get a response. This stuff just showed up. And I got an email from him out of the, one, out of the blue one day. It's like, Hey man, like basically, you need to cool it out there. Like you're you're this, you're, you're acting like a different. I this is not the person I've seen. Mm-hmm. And that was a pretty good. It got my attention because I was like, all right, I'm putting so much pressure on myself. Like part of it was, and you know, I had accomplished all these goals, and then I wanted to turn pro. And I like a big goal of mine was to, um, basically sign a contract with Titleist, like or an equipment company. Of course, yeah. To get paid to play their equipment because I'd have the re- the pedigree to do that. And, mm-hmm. Self, so, like obviously like i was a 22 year old kid at the time 20, yeah 22 23 years old like mm-hmm. i wanted to get all the money kind of thing of i wanted to be well, yeah. i wanted to play the better i played the more i would get paid kind of mm-hmm. thing at the end and mm-hmm. i was I, you know i was had one eye to the future and that pro- that made that com- that complicated how i approached golf probably so mm-hmm. i turned pro I, I do sign a title list but i mean it was just it, like that was never i think jim's point was like that was never in question. Like we know, we know what you're capable of. We believe in you. Like just mm-hmm. go out and play golf. Like 
you, there's nothing you need to show us or anyone else. Like your resume speaks for itself. So that was a, exactly. it was a good, it was a good lesson just cause it's so easy to lose track of, you know, you, you accomplish one goal, you go to the next kind of thing. That's what helps. That's what helps motivate guys to accomplish big things, mm-hmm. but it can also, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So yeah, I turned pro. I had a couple, let's see, a couple sponsor games. I played the first pro event I played was in Cleveland on the web. Okay. sponsor exemption i think i missed the by one or by two mm-hmm. and then for that summer you're kind of in limbo like i didn't get because i didn't another big thing i was putting pressure what, what kind of produced the too much pressure was uh, trying to get sponsor exemptions for tour of pj tour events of course yeah you know, that would be that's what everybody wants that would to play be dependent in. right that would be dependent on how my senior season went mm-hmm. and it wasn't going well so it was snowballing on me a little bit got it so i didn't have you don't have status but if you have PGA Tour events playing it's like this is sick yeah so of course. Yeah, of course. I had yeah so I had no status played some mini tour events and then you know, basically getting ready for Q school and mm-hmm. I was I played well at Q school I got through first stage no problem second stage I made it through on the number but I shot like 78 the first day and then shot 70 I think 73 times in a row okay finish and got through on the number and that was that's the really big uh, kind of hurdle is getting your second stage because if you get to final stage or you get through second stage, you make it to final stage mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. get uh, web.com, then web.com status. Yeah. And that's that a big feature that gives you, it gives you at least an opportunity to play on the web. If, if mm-hmm. you play well at final stage, you're good. You're going to get full status. And even if you don't, you still have the opportunity to improve your stats if you have Monday qualifying. Right. Or if you, or if you make a cut, you get a sponsor and if you make a cut. So I, I, both of those avenues were open to me. I figured. As a young guy coming out of school, I might snag a couple sponsor exemptions on the web. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm going to qualify in, in any case, if in either case, if I make a cut, then I pass everybody that has a mini money out of here. So it was like, it was, I played poorly at final stage, but it, it was at least, I was on the right track. And it was, it was encouraging, at least. I was disappointed that I finished like 100th, but I was at least heading in a, like, it was like, okay, it was, I'm making progress on my goal to you know be on the PGA Tour. Of course, yeah. So, but it, it did put me like the conditional staff put me in a tricky spot where I didn't necessarily have guaranteed starts. So exactly, you kind of have to. You kind of had to really put, you know, maybe some pressure on yourself to, to to get that full status, or you know, so you can get those starts. Yeah. So, like, if you got, I I got a couple of sponsor exemptions, but they were later in the year, and like got both it. times, like I missed the cut by one or two, and but it was it was weird playing at those because like you you're it's, you're so aware that like oh it kind of distracts you. Like you hear about guys thinking, Oh, if I pay attention to making the cut as mm-hmm. my goal, then I seem to be around there. And that I, there's some truth to that. I think, I think it's probably overstated, but when you're in the position of like having conditional status, you know, like, dude, if I make a dollar, like I make the cut finish DFL, I pass every single person who hasn't made a dollar. And yeah. at that point there were like 70 or 80 of those guys in front of me. Okay. So, and I, and I was the, I was between the 50th and 80th alternate every week. So if I pass all those guys, I start getting in tournaments and Mm -hmm. if I get in tournaments, like you never know. Yeah, exactly. So I would play Monday qualifiers then this was in 2015. And then I, but I needed to play regular tournaments that my status afforded me the opportunity to play in Latin America. Got it. And that's, that's kind of how I ended up down there was, so that was, if I played well in Latin America, that could benefit me on the web as well. Of course, yep, yep. For 2016 or for getting sponsored. And so, you know, if I win a tournament in South America, I'm like, hey, look, I just won the Argentine Open or, you know, whatever tournament it was. 
Exactly. I'm more likely, a tournament's more likely to take a chance on me to give an exemption. Of so course, right. That was kind of the decision I made with my agent and I. I was just like, all right, look, I need to play tournaments, like mm-hmm. four-round tournaments, because Monday qualifiers are different. You know, it's... it's You go out there, you shoot like, the round of your life one time, and then you're good, you know? Right. It's not like, like what we talk about with having a good attitude, staying in it, you know, turning a 74 into a 71 kind of mm-hmm. thing. That doesn't matter in a Monday qualifier. No, Whereas it doesn't. It does not. If it's thir- if you shoot 39 going out on Thursday morning and you're able to shoot 71 or 72, you can still go out and shoot 66 tomorrow and maybe be a few shots back of the week. Exactly, so, right. But at a Monday, it's like, oh, you know what? I, I shoot 39 on the front end. I can probably just like, I can probably just leave. Like, yeah, exactly. Just I, I'm going to like 25. <laughs> it's like 29 is not going to work. I'm going to shoot like 25. Uh-huh, and then I'll, right. I might get a playoff. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> seriously it's it so that and that's so you want to stay playing competitive events so that was my that was kind of behind the decision to go to south america Mm -hmm. i mean that's and it's a great path you know i mean um i had um solman raza and he's playing there on the latin america team right now and um you know it's a great path a lot of people you know harry higgs um you know a lot of guys have went on the latin america tour you know went to the corn ferry made to pg tour and they're thriving on there i mean it's 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 a good way to go about it especially if you have the opportunity to do it yeah i agree i think that um for me the way i looked at like setting my schedule for professional golf was i wanted to um i wanted my good results to actually like have a meaningful impact on getting closer Mm -hmm. to my goal of course yeah you know, the intermediate goal being getting full styles on the web, the mm-hmm. ultimate goal being, uh, you know, being top 50 in the world. That was my goal. Of course. And um, by, if I just went out and say, like when I was playing, when I got out of school, the e-golf tour, um, they had decent purses. It was in North and South Carolina, mostly. You could move out there, live pretty inexpensively. And if you played well, you could probably make, you weren't going to make a lot of money, but like you, you would make money if you played well mm-hmm. for a year. Um, but the downside of that was you could win four tournaments and you're going to first stage of Q school, no matter what, because there's no, there was no benefit. There was no performance benefit for mm-hmm. playing for winning an e-golf event. Whereas if I went to Latin America and I won a Latin American event, I was most likely skipping first stage of Q school. Got and, it. Which yeah. is a meaningful benefit. I mean, it, you first stage you 80 guys playing about 22 or 23 make it through so it's mm-hmm. a fair amount but it's 80 pretty good not everyone is great there but like you can't miss if you don't have to go yeah. and that was a big draw for me was that okay i look at it, like if i'm top 25 on the money list i get to skip first stage if i'm top 10 i get to skip second stage so that was and i was in a fortunate it's playing latin america is much more expensive than playing like mini tours, if you live in the right part of the country, like uh-huh. e-golf or now APT tour, if you live in Texas. Right. But I was in a, I was fortunate and I was in a position where I, that wasn't a concern of mine. And I could go and like bet on myself, do like take all the necessary steps to give myself the best opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're playing, it's those tournaments, they're not like PGA tour events as far as how they're set up, uh, you know, as far as the atmosphere, the difficulty golf courses, but they're right, not right. that they're not too far from like what a web event is like or mm-hmm. corn ferry event. Um, there's not very many fans generally. That's, that's the two things in common. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it, it's a more kind of laid back 
atmosphere. You don't have to wear your credential everywhere like you do on a PJ tour event. Like Got it. Security, like it's just. But you're playing. There's rules. There's PJ tour rules. Officials, basically, mm-hmm. there are. You use the same website to like set it, commit to all your tournaments, and like manage all the stuff that kind of doesn't. Yeah. Is out of sight, out of mind. Like uh-huh. it works. It, it's like a. It's. Like you're getting groomed for how things work on the Corn Ferry Tour, mm-hmm. and that was. I think that's why. You've seen guys like so. I, I played a lot with. I mentioned Harry Higgs. I played. Oh yeah. Played with him a lot down there. Mm-hmm. Keith Mitchell. Um, yeah, Keith Adam Mitchell. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's those are the three guys from kind of that were, they're on tour, that I I hung out with them. I'd be in a group chat with. I think I still am like with all of them, and you know, there's about twelve of us that would run around South America. It was really fun. I mean, you you and you're getting to play golf. You you, know, you the purses aren't huge down there, but like you kind of I if you looked at it from like a uh like you're paying your dues kind of thing. all right if i go have a good year down here i yep. can make a dent in q school mm-hmm. i play great i might be able to make it a little bit of money too like there's um kind of that upside and then it was something that was an environment that was so unfamiliar to all of us like i went down there not speaking any spanish i learned i made the effort to learn some but i uh-huh. was never fluent yeah but you got to dinner it's like you got dinner with like 80 of your friends every night and then you go play golf the next day yeah that's it that's a lot that was yeah as far as like pro golf like that was probably the most fun i had the first definitely the first year down there was like every week was a new adventure um i think there were a lot of guys who would if they had the choice between canada and latin america they choose canada because it's much more comfortable you know everyone speaks english you right it's of course canada canada is the united states basically like Mm -hmm. uh in terms of how developed it is and all that whereas latin america that's not the case and kind of like when we talk about the attitude thing down there you get really rattled with like you get ripped off by a cab driver or you're at a restaurant and you get the wrong food because you you pointed in the wrong spot on the menu or <laughs> you know like there's all these little things that most of them weren't golf related uh-huh. you might the caddies on there were kind of rough sometimes they didn't they didn't rake bunkers well or they just didn't know where to walk they was kind of a mess sometimes yeah but like, oh you could there were a lot of these little things that by themselves shouldn't bother you but after you'd been down there for three weeks it was like they accumulated it was like just like death by like a thousand paper cuts <laughs> and guys would just blow up like they get they get flustered they want to go home and i i looked at that as like if i if if i can avoid that longer than everybody else uh-huh. where you're like i'm sick of being down here. i'm sick of speaking yeah, I'm trying to speak spanish stay I'm, level-headed yeah, yeah stay level-headed and not let all the it was all off course like bs like it mm-hmm. didn't it wasn't like most of it wasn't golf related kind of look at it that way and it was a really good lesson like just hey man like this it was kind of like a, a battle of attrition there were guys that would just flat out beat themselves because it took them 45 minutes to get the golf course in the uber instead of 20 mm-hmm. they got there the breakfast took forever they wanted to have an hour to warm up but it took 25 minutes too long to get there. And then breakfast took 10 minutes too long. Now they got 25 minutes to warm up and, exactly. pissed off, and they haven't even started yet. Mm-hmm. And they're already, having, like you said, they're already beating yeah. themselves. So it kind of taught you to just like roll with the punches. Like, Oh, like, I mean, it happened to me a bunch of times where like, I had a guy makes a wrong turn going to the golf course. Like I tell him like, here's where I'm going. He goes to the wrong area. Mm-hmm. It's like what first time doing? just like drives like the wall. <laughs> then it's like, I learned, some quick lessons like i put it on you know i was like to make sure the guy didn't make a wrong turn i'd put the address in my phone and like show him like turn right here of course like, yeah 
there's these little tricks that you would learn and it would make life easier. Mm-hmm. But the friend, the guys who were just like, just pissed off, there's, they'd look for something to complain about. Yeah. So that was a big thing going down there. It was just like, kind of, it was a very, like you could, the guys who were mature, I think were at a higher likelihood to succeed down there than the guys who had maybe had their parents always book their travel right, when they were right, playing yeah. tournaments of or course. their coach or their agent or whatever. Like, I mean, I had an agent, but like I did, we were rooming with other guys. Like I kind of just figured a lot of it out on my own and it was because I was there. Like my agent, my, what's my agent going to do? Call the hotel and they're going to answer in Spanish or broken English. Like, exactly. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll take care of it. Like, so that was kind of doing it on your own. Like that's a big difference with pro golf and college golf is mm-hmm. that, in college golf your coach does literally everything for you when it comes mm-hmm. to traveling and in pro golf it you do literally everything for you there unless you're lucky and your mom does it for you or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's different and it's just it's a, it's a distraction that is can easily be handled but some guys it's like it becomes a distraction and becomes a problem mm-hmm. so it was it was a great experience i would recommend it like if anyone goes and now this year with COVID and all, it's tricky. Like there's no PGA Tour China. Like right, Latin's yeah. kind of, the schedule's kind of been neutered. And yeah, it's, yeah. They, it uh, I would say like, if you guys coming out now, if you don't have, you don't have corn fairy status and you can do Canada, Latin or China. Canada's the most comfortable and you kind of, it works well with the college schedule. Mm-hmm. But man, going, I never played in China, but I was in 2020, was planning on playing there pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a lot like my first year in Latin America. It was kind of mentally i wanted to approach it mm-hmm. it's like all right i have bad conditional status on corn ferry and i'm going to go to china if i don't get into latin america was, i kind of had a couple different options but i think it's if you have the right attitude about it it's really beneficial because at from that point on like when i went from i played the web full-time in 2018 and i played a couple seasons in latin america mm-hmm. and the stuff that would bother guys because on the web, it's kind of interesting. You have guys that fall off the PGA tour. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I, I played the web with Stuart Appleby who like wow. I had made like 30 something million dollars career. Like, uh-huh. I had oh, made yeah. like 30 grand career. <laughs> thing. And he, uh, he's playing and you know, for him, he's been on tour forever and he has, he's not, maybe not the, a good example. Like there are guys like that, that, have been kind of lifers on the PJ tour and they, of course. they get older, they lose their game and they just have a bad year and they fall off. Mm-hmm. And they're like, like, man, screw the web tour. You know, we pay for no money here this. And I'm like, I'm coming from a Latin tour. I'm like, dude, prize may just triple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're loving it. I'm playing in the United States, like 85% of the year. And mm-hmm. I got private housing instead of having to pay for a hotel. I'm like, this is not so bad. I'm spending less money. I got like, whatever yeah. it was, there's all these perks. I noticed a couple of my friends who had played Latin America with me, we'd notice all these guys who maybe there was their third or fourth year on the web or they lost their card. Mm-hmm. They complain about all these little things. And I'm like, what are you guys complaining about? Yeah. And maybe it wasn't a big deal, but like, I, I believe that those things like accumulate over time. You know, it's a little thing here, a little thing there. And it kind of, you see guys that over as the longer they play their attitude sometimes deteriorates. I think that's, handling kind of those uh it's not adversity because it's not that dramatic but like handling those little like bumps in the road uh can i think really have a good impact on you like, or have a have an impact on how you're 
how your career kind of goes if, mm-hmm. you know, if you handle it well you're kind of more resilient that's a huge plus for you mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that that's just that's amazing those experiences that you had i mean playing in latin america too i think is so cool to hear about because you know not a lot of people hear about from you know players that played there and stuff and you kind of get that insight and everything um mm-hmm. i think the paths that you took and everything that you wanted to go and everything. I mean, there's so many ways to go about playing pro golf. And I love the advice that you had and everything for, you know, people that are looking to go and every, uh, that are looking to turn pro and everything. I think that's um, something that, you know, people should really listen for. And um, so I got, you know, you you actually, you covered a lot of the stuff that I was going to be yeah. asking you. So, I mean, you did great on that. Yeah, I was um, kind of on a roll there, I guess. Yeah, no, no, that was great and everything. Um, you know, you talked about the different tours and stuff that you played on. You know, what would, what was one thing that you saw that translated kind of throughout all those um, tours? Was there like a theme or, you know, with the players and stuff? Um, I think that in general, the guys who you watch them play and it's like boring. Mm-hmm. they were generally the best players like uh-huh. i think a good you know we saw if you watched phoenix this weekend yeah we saw yeah. jordan speed shoots whatever 10 under on saturday but i think i heard on a podcast this morning he made four birdies from the desert mm-hmm. and i'm looking at that i think the the average maybe the average golf fan even like a college or junior golf or they think they look at it like wow 61 that's incredible like to me, like that is it is it is an incredible score. Like uh-huh. not taking anything away from the round Jordan played on Saturday, but I look at the way I look at it, and I think the way a lot of my peers look at it is like if you go look at his shot length, and you see that he's in the desert a bunch, and you mm-hmm. see he's missing it way left, way right. Yep. And he's you know he's making birdies by hitting these awesome recovery shots. He's playing like Phil Mickelson kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. but he has. It seems like to me. And he's hitting all these crazy recovery shots that we've kind of gotten used to seeing now and it's working out. But then the problem is like, he has to go do that again tomorrow on mm-hmm. Sunday. Exactly. And that was how you had one more day. Yeah. It's like, I watched that. I watched that happen. I was like, wow, he played himself into this tournament, but like, I know if I'm him and I'm in that situation, I've shot low scores enough to where it's a great feeling when you do, but, they're they're not all low scores are created equal if that makes sense like mm-hmm. if i went out and hit 11 fairways and 16 greens and the three fairways i missed i was on grass at tbc scottsdale yeah i would be like all right like i'm i'm dialed like okay this game of course i can't yeah. wait to see how tomorrow goes like i feel like my game feels great i'm mm-hmm. doing everything great i just shot 10 under like 10, that's my best round of my career whatever but I would imagine that somewhere in the back of his mind, there was like, he might have shot 10 under. Probably wasn't thinking about the, however many fairways he did hit. Mm-hmm. Those probably weren't in his, you know, for the forefront of his mind. It's like, wow, I went way left on this hole and way right on that hole. Like, yeah. That's the part I think that you, when you see guys who play really well, and Jordan used to be this where it's like, you know, everyone talks about his putting, like, mm-hmm. you can forget that. Like, the guy who was, the best iron player on tour for a few years and yep. he was winning everything and he was also a great driver and you know especially given his distance and you know, not he's like an average length guy maybe slightly above average but the guys who it's just you watch him playing for steady like you think of like a zamber mm-hmm. or um 
I mean, I shoot, I, 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 Xander's kind of guy I go to. It's like, I swear that guy, I swear that guy just every time he plays, it's like seventh, sixth, mm-hmm. four, right. or yeah. second, apparently, and second all the time, you know, if you listen to the media, I guess. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but he plays well all the time. And I think that's something for what, like, an, as far as an indicator of success for guys, the guys who, it's you hear these narratives and oh it just takes one week kind mm-hmm. of plan thing you just gotta win like oh, you win, one week can change your career which is true but i think i was listening to an interview that keith you know keith mitchell was a friend of mine playing from latin playing in latin america mm-hmm. and yeah he was on knowing up i think he has great perspective about you, know, you hear the difference the difference between say someone like me who did fine in Latin America, struggled on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, and I only played one or two, I guess I played three PGA Tour events, two as an amateur. Mm-hmm. Um, say, oh, it's you know, such a small difference between where you're at and the PGA Tour. And it's like, not exactly. I think that's a misnomer. Yeah, I can go out and have one great week. I and mean, I, I did that at a web event. I Monday qualified in, I had no status, and I finished sixth. And like, I was come i was a little i was out in front of the leaders a little bit but like mm-hmm. for most of the back nine, i was in third third or fourth place and then i i ran out a hole sooner so they kind of you know, i got passed by a couple guys but like of course yeah i had an outside chance of winning if someone choked basically right right but that was like the best finish i've had of my career but then i have also played about 25 other web events and haven't made that many cuts and that's my only top 10 so but on the Latin tour, I did reasonably well. I had a couple of chances to win. And it's just from going from college to say the Latin tour, there's probably not that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, might be a little bit more difficult to win, uh, but to have a good week, it's probably pretty similar. But then to go from the Latin tour to the, or Canada or one of the international tours to the step up to the corn Ferry tour, there's a difference there, you know, of, of just getting there first of all. And then once you get there, finishing top 75 to keep your card between the guy who can just get there. That's a small difference. And then the guys who are top 25 to get the PGA tour card, that's a small difference from the 75th guy. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the PGA tour and then the guy who is there and the guy who finishes top 125, that's a small difference. And then say the guy that's top 70 and then top 30 and then top 50 in the world, like there's all these little small steps and it's not just a little, it's not just one little difference. It's several. And those add up of to, of course. Yeah a pretty big gap. So I think that's, that's something like if you're being like, if I'm being totally honest with someone, it's like always believe that like you can have a really good, like one good week absolutely can change the course of your career. I am mm-hmm. a perfect example of that in my amateur career, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if I'm assessing my progress as I work through professional golf, I want to see gradual improvement. It's not cut, cut, cut third cut cut fifth mm-hmm. like that's great i have my good weeks are great but like why do i miss four out of six cuts exactly like, you want to see some consistency that's yeah and i think that's where guys when i when i what i when i'm watching someone play and like kind of assessing how they play i see someone that man they hit their driver and it's like it goes the same direction every time like it fades every single time sometimes a little more sometimes a little less but like they have a they have a go-to shot there's all these little things like that kind of represent consistency. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really valuable because when you find yourself in uncomfortable scenarios, which is bound to happen, 
you know that like, all right, like, you know what, this might be a dog. This, there might be, everything might say draw here, but you know what, like I'm uncomfortable. I faded normally anyway. And yet screw what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And the guys who are like, quote unquote, boring golfers do that really well. And I think that's whether it's on the Corn Ferry Tour, the PJ Tour, Platinum Tour, wherever, the guys who have the most success at each level tend to be boring. There's no, the heroics have to happen. Usually heroics happen from bad shots. You're always going to hit bad shots, but the guy who shoots, you know, a couple under every day does really well. Like I had a, someone explain that to me right, right before Q school, my first year of like, if you shoot two under every single round, mm-hmm. or then it would have been 14 rounds of Q school for the three stages, you will get your card guaranteed. And you think, Oh, that's a 200. doesn't seem that hard. Yeah. And yeah, it's much easier said than done. Right. But 200 represents a solid round. It doesn't represent a great round. Of course. Right. And I think right. That's the, that's a big thing. And it relates to college golf as well. Like instead of two under, I say even par. I mean, I looked at it at Cal one year. If I shot even par, my, my coach was like, what would you have finished if you shot even every tournament? I would have had like six top tens. I wouldn't have, I don't know if I would have won a tournament, but I would have had a lot of top fives as well. Like, of course. Right. Great year. right. I think it's easy to overlook when you see just a one round kid shot eight under, Oh my God, I've never shot eight under before. How does this guy do it? It's kind of just like, keep doing what you're doing and be consistent, try strive for consistency and just stair stepping higher. There's not, it doesn't need to be a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's, I mean, that's just all really good stuff, you know, for the listeners that are listening to this. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, this is amazing information, especially for people that are looking to turn pro and, you know, they want to play pro golf. And I know there's a couple of guys on our team that are looking to do that. So, I mean, this is just all great information. Um, I get, you know, you've talked about Max Homa a little bit, uh, Brandon Hagee yeah. and stuff. Um, so, I mean, when you see Max Homa, Brandon Hagee and even Michael Kim playing on the PGA tour, you know, how cool is it to see them on TV knowing that you played with them at Cal and, uh, you know, you know, like Harry Higgs, Keith Mitchell, you know, you know, all those guys, how cool is it seeing them on TV and stuff and knowing that you, you know, you personally know them. Um, it's kind of mixed. I, like the guys on my team, the guys I'm friends with, like I enjoy watching them too because they're my friends. I like seeing them play well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, I go, I'm not going to lie. There is a part where I think like, dang, like why, like why is that guy on TV and I'm not? And mm-hmm. I think that's something that like I've, it's uh, now I'm not playing anymore. It's, I still, I, I watch, I don't watch a ton of golf on TV, but when I do, it's like, I, that crosses my mind. But like, I like seeing the guy. It is cool. Like knowing that, Hey man, like, if there's a guy on the PJ tour that's under 30 years old, I've played against him basically. Exactly. You know, yeah. If he's between 25 and 30, like mm-hmm. I get asked that a lot. Like, do you know someone's like I had a, a kid I played with at Fort Washington and he's like, he came up to me at the golf course one day. He goes, Hey man, how'd you get Justin Thomas to follow you on Twitter? And <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm friends with him. I know I played a lot of golf against him. Like, yeah he follows me on twitter i follow him like i have his phone number too like mm-hmm. ooh. yeah <laughs> the kid is like no way he's blown away by it. and i just kind of take it for granted so it is it is when you think about it from the outsider's perspective yeah it's like i've gotten to play whether even you know, i got my three teammates who are on tour i'm i'm very close with michael kim uh, max and brandon i'm good friends with i just i just don't talk to them as often as i do talk as i talk to michael mm-hmm. but yeah it's I, I i i love seeing them play well especially like you look at 
um, kind of all three of them now have gone through a period, like a rough period in their career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Max was, it was a few years ago and we're just flat out, like playing terrible, missing a lot of cuts and like totally lost. And we've all been there. It's just when you're on the PJ tour, it's, it's, it probably felt embarrassing, which mm-hmm. is like, I wasn't, I wasn't like, Oh, I don't want to talk to Max. He's playing bad kind of thing. It was like, it's just, it's hard. And to see, I think what's been most, what the coolest part about that is like for Max, he's come out of that. He won the Wells Fargo. Like he, yep. he went from like out in the wilderness with his golf game to, I think, I know he's ranked in the top 100 right now, but I know, well, yeah, right know now, yeah. he was like, he was around top around 65th. Like he mm-hmm. was threatening getting WG season two years ago or two and a half years ago. He and I were playing the web.com tour together. Yep. And so that part is cool. Like it's cause it's, okay. These guys I care about, I'm friends with, mm-hmm. it's really fun. Like, you know, Brandon Hayes kind of been a little bit up and down. He had some injury issues. And then Michael Kim is like, has really struggled for a while, but like, as of, you know, a month ago, it's like, he's made three out of the last four cuts, cuts and it's been exactly. a while. And it's like, all right, I look at his stats. It's like, all right, cool. I got to tie talk to him. Like, all right, sweet. He's playing better. Like he's hitting the ball better. Like it's things are going in the right direction. So it's like, right. It's like, I'm living through it right now. Like I want, it's like one of my best friends is like kind of coming out the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So that part is cool. Like seeing guys I played, but at the same time, like for the, maybe so for the guys I play Latin America with, I wasn't college teammates with. It's like, I wonder, it's like, why did it work for, why did it work for Harry? Why did it work for Keith or mm-hmm. whoever else? It's like, okay, well, you know what? They figure out something that I didn't. And maybe they had, I'd like to think I didn't, work that they didn't work any harder than I I feel like I was always committed to it but it is it, it, there's it's a mix of emotions I guess it's like when they play well it's great like a Harry played well at the Safeway Keith mm-hmm. wanted the Honda it's like yep. I remember when Keith wanted the Honda I was watching by myself and I literally like was like yelled like yes like fist pumped <laughs> in my living room watching it was cool like uh-huh. yeah and then but at the same time like dang like you, there's also is that little element of like wow like well, dang why wasn't that me kind of mm-hmm. thing. yeah but it's no overall it's like yeah i know all these guys and when i have people ask me like yeah these guys are my friends like they don't to me they're not stars mm-hmm. it's just they're, they're friends of mine and they just happen to be awesome at golf and they make a lot of money doing it and people watch them on tv yeah i mean that's and that's that's a great way to go about it and i could totally <clears throat> understand you know where i mean well i'm not that i know i've no you've you've had an amazing career you know there's nothing to ever take away from that you know but I mean, yeah. still though, the fact that you're wondering, you know, why isn't that mean stuff? You know, of course that's always going to be there, but you know, you cheering on Keith, you know, your fist pumping and everything, man, that's just amazing. That's so cool. And, you know, having those connections and everything at the end of the day, you know, like Justin Thomas following you on Twitter. And so if you have his phone number, you know, at the end of the day, they're people yeah. and everything, um, you know, they may be stars in, you know, the, you know, my eyes or, you know, everybody else, but that's just really cool that, you know, these guys on a personal level, and, you know, you can call them up if you wanted to and just kind of talk to them and stuff. So that's amazing, man. And you've had an amazing yeah. career and everything, um, you know, uh, kind of going into the last question here I have for you. Um, you know, where do you see yourself in the next couple of years and everything? You know, do you you, you want to you still playing some tournaments, you know, or are you kind of, you know, what's life looking like nowadays for you? Yeah, so I haven't I haven't decided on for golf. I'm right now i have like i have a little bit of time to decide whether i'll get my amateur status back or not mm-hmm. um, i got us open the, app, the us open qualifying you know, is the app comes out in like a month and 
probably didn't make up my mind by then is the way, the way I would sign up. Yeah. What my decision of whether I'll get my amateur status back or not will determine how I sign up and could also determine how long I have to wait if I get my amateur status back. So I haven't, I haven't decided yet. I, over the winter time. So like I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm going, I'm going to be an investment advisor, financial advisor. Uh, mm-hmm. So I've been doing a bunch of work for that. Like and take some tests and boring stuff, you know, yeah, non golf stuff. So kind of just like on that grind lately. So I haven't really, haven't really thought about my like golf, like what golf will look like for me mm-hmm. longer, like kind of, you know, a few years out. I mean, there's, I know that if I decide I'll get my amateur status back if I believe that like I'm gonna play tournaments. If I'm gonna play in CGM, it's like I don't and I don't really want to just play. I, I'm not gonna get my amateur status back just so I can play the Fresno City. Kind of, mm-hmm. of course, play, like yeah, yeah. I would say, I want to play NCGAM, NCA like play Cal State AM, like the bigger amateur events. Maybe play some mid am events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where it's, I want to try to play against the highest level of competition I can, just because I'm naturally a pretty competitive person. Of course. Um, of course. So if I think if, if that's, if I'm able to spend time practicing and the desire is there I and mean, right now it's been cold out and it's getting nicer lately, but yeah, I'm a fair weather golfer now. Like I don't have, <laughs> I don't have to do this for my lip for a living. So I, there's no, I have no, I have no, I find no enjoyment being out there when it's 42 degrees. So it's I haven't played no very fun. much golf no since fun. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I think I've played three or four rounds, mm-hmm. but I'm sure in the summer I'll, I'll go out and practice. So I don't know, TBD on what the golf, because I, if I, and if I'm not, if I don't think I'm going to play a lot of amateur events mm-hmm. um, or that that's a realistic expectation, I'll, I probably won't get my amateur status back if that's the case. And I'll, I'm sure every March and April I'll practice really hard, try, hoping I can qualify for the U S open. Of course, and yeah. I'm a pro. So if I get in and I play, give well, it a I go. Money. Yeah. You know, go. Like that's, so we'll see. But then, yeah, golf-wise, yeah, not sure. I'm now. I'm. I've kind of, you know, focused my attention to what I'm doing with business with a buddy mm-hmm. of mine, and uh, that's kind of going to become my new passion, I guess, or what I, I'm. I'm really good at like focusing on one thing at a mm-hmm. time, and of for course. 19 years that was golf, and mm-hmm. now it's something else. Of course, yeah, and I mean, um, you know, whether every, you know, every, every person that, you know, turns pro and everything, there's guys that on my team that want to turn pro and they want to do that, you know? And I mean, that's a prime example, you know, you have a passion for something, you know, business related, of course you want to be out there playing golf and everything like that, you know, but you found a new passion in your passion, you know, you love it and everything. So, and you, and you went to college, you got your degree, you didn't drop out of college, you know, and then, yeah. and then you know, it would have been a totally different scenario. So I think everything, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know, you're at the place you are right now, you're for a reason. And, um, you know, I just, I, I applaud you on everything that you've done in your golfing career and everything that you will continue you. to do, man. I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever met you and everything. And, um, dude, I just, that's just amazing, man. You've lived a, you've lived just a great life and you're only, you know, 29 and everything, but you've accomplished so much, man. You've accomplished so much as a player. So congratulations on just everything, man, on everything. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, I'm a fair weather golfer too. So when I, anytime yeah. we're in Fresno or something, man, if you want to go, you know, go tee it up, I'd love to, you know, meet you in person, Definitely. And hang out a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, that'll wrap up this week's episode of scrambling with Dylan Otto featuring Michael Weaver, Michael, once again, thank you so much for coming on and chatting, man. And, uh, you know, I wish you nothing but the best and everything. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Dylan. I appreciate it. It was fun to 
chat and kind of talk about my uh, interesting golf journey. Yeah, man, you've had it just once again, you've had an amazing golf journey and so much to, you know, so much to be happy for and thankful for. And uh, I like, once again, I wish you nothing but the best man and we'll stay in contact. Great. Thanks. Yep. Have a good one, everybody. Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of scrambling with Dylan auto. Just want to let you guys know, I create an Instagram for the podcast called scrambling podcast. You can head over there, follow for updates on the episodes, as well as material that I'll be talking about in the episodes like videos or photos. So you can check them out there and get a little more insight on the episodes. Thanks again for listening and have a good one.